What's up everybody, Tara Wellman here, and I hope you are ready for some late nights as the Cardinals head to the West Coast for the first time this year to take on the San Diego Padres for four games. 2009 was the last season in which the Padres won more than 80 games. That year they won 90 and finished second in the NL West. The next best finish since then was 2014. That year they went 77-85 and 85 and finished third in the division. The rebuild has been kind of slow and painful as now manager Andy Green has tried to work with less than stellar rosters as he waits for reinforcements from their developing farm system. And yet over the offseason, the Padres did the thing you do where you bring in expensive formerly productive veteran players to, I guess, mentor the young talent. It's a work in progress, and by all accounts, this year is when San Diego should maybe start to see a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. But have they? Chris Bauer is here to answer that question and more as the Cardinals head to their first trip out west. Well, Chris, first of all, thanks for joining me from hopefully sunny California. How is it there in uh, in San Diego these days? Uh, yeah, it's it's sunny. I feel like I feel like when you talk about Southern California weather, I have to say it does rain sometimes. <laughs> like people seem to think it's 100% sunny all the time, every time. We get like 30 days of rain a year. So if you come and visit, there's a good chance it'll be sunny, but. Don't be too surprised if it's rainy, but yeah, today it's actually been sunny and like 72 and beautiful, so. Listen, it was snowing here about two weeks ago, so I'll take 30 days of rain a year if that's uh, if that's the worst it gets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not complaining by any means. I'm just saying. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Maybe not always sunny in, in Southern California, but nonetheless, the Cardinals are on their way to San Diego to take on the Padres for the first time this year. Um, so let's sort of start with where the Padres are at in this sort of process in sort of getting back to, um, you know, one of the top teams in the division. I feel like the expectations this year were still probably pretty low, but um, there are a lot of things to look forward to. So when you look at this first month or so, are you seeing more or less or pretty much what you expected from the Padres? Uh, Terry, I think you summed it up pretty well. The expectations were low, but it was also kind of a weird offseason because the Padres made one of the biggest acquisitions in their history, signing Eric Hosmer. So it didn't it didn't seem like they were ready to, you know, come out of this rebuild that they're in. But they also kind of acted like they were ready. They signed Eric Hosmer. That was a huge deal. Uh, you know, other other fan bases, I don't know if they get used to these kinds of big signings. But it doesn't seem like it's as big of a deal as it is in San Diego when it happens because it's just so, so rare. So they signed Hosmer, and that was, was really huge. And they also traded uh, a young player, uh, a young pitcher, Eniel De Los Santos, to the Phillies for a one-year rental. So, sure, they, it seems like they're, they're still rebuilding, but they're also acting like they're not rebuilding. So, so kind of strange, but uh, I think... I think the, the first month or so of the season has played out about as you might expect, uh, ignoring those two moves that I just made. They're not they're not they're not playing like they're ready to compete this year. Uh, I think there's an old baseball adage that says when Clayton Richards or Clayton Richard is your opening day starter, you're probably still rebuilding. You know, 
so I think I, I, there's a lot of position players who have been who are are probably looking like they're they could be a member of the next great Padres team, but uh, in terms of the rotation, uh, not so much. I'm glad you said that the offseason was a little strange because from an outsider's perspective, that's exactly what I thought of the yeah. Padres offseason. I mean, yeah. I saw them start to make those moves and I went, wait, hold on. Like this season? That's that's where you're going <laughs> with this season? Right. Uh, it seemed like it was a little ahead of maybe where the rest of that process was. But you mentioned Hosmer. Let's sort of start there because he did come in as a huge acquisition for the Padres. Um, when you look at a guy like that that has that sort of veteran status um coming in on a a pretty significant contract what does he bring to a team that's at this stage of that rebuilding process well it's it's hard to say i think a lot of what we were told he brings that like leadership quality is something that we were told to expect from will myers too so that's a little bit a little bit strange in that regard as well when the Padres rebuilt after that 2015 uh attempt at contention they held, they held on to Will Myers, and they, you know, the idea was that he was going to be this leader for all of the young players who they, they got back during their rebuild process, who would, who would slowly grow with the team. Uh, and then they come and they sign Eric Hosmer to do what seems like kind of the same thing. Uh, so a little bit of confusion there on our end. Uh, but hopefully Eric Hosmer is the guy who works with young players. Uh, there are some rumors about... Um, Padres clubhouses in the past that weren't uh, the most helpful, whereas the older guys, instead of helping the younger players, might you know laugh at them when they don't do well, or maybe be not the um, the kind of teammates that you want to have. And I think that's the idea uh, behind signing Eric Hosmer is he's going to help the young players and also teach young players that they need to help the next group of young players. Yeah, it's an interesting. It just, like I said, it felt like a very strange sort of choice <laughs> for this offseason. Um, but everything that I see indicates that he is sort of being that guy. And he is really um, stepping into that role, whether it was supposed to be for Will Myers or not. And there are a lot of talented young guys that he's having the opportunity to play with this year. Uh, the the Padres just had an opportunity to play a, a series in Mexico. Um, we've seen some of that, of course, the series at the beginning of the year in Puerto Rico, uh, promise of a series in London next year. Um, in Mexico, Christian Villanueva was one of those guys that had an opportunity to play, um, and it was a, a cool opportunity. I love that we're seeing some of these guys have an opportunity to showcase their talent, where it all started for them, and, and he's one of those guys. Yeah, Christian Villanueva has been a huge, uh, pleasant surprise for us. He he fits the mold of the kinds, some of the kinds of players that A.J. Preller has acquired and that what we call post-type prospects. So at one point they were big-type prospects, uh, and then perhaps something didn't work out immediately for them, uh, and uh, A.J. Preller's made a bit of a habit of acquiring those types of players. Uh, another one was Drew Pomeranz, and that certainly worked out well for the Padres. Uh, so Christian Villanueva was a big prospect. I think he started with, um, with the Rangers, and that uh, makes sense, being as A.J. Preller also was with the Rangers, and might have had something to do uh, with that acquisition there, or at least getting to know him. Uh, and then he went to the Cubs, and uh, then he came to the Padres, and he's been a real pleasant surprise. That's the kind of thing that a rebuilding team needs to be doing, is giving those players who might not have chances uh, in other clubs, like the Cubs, 
um, an opportunity to play and see what we have. And so far, uh, Christian Villanueva has shown a lot of power, a lot of pull power. Uh, the patience, not quite so much. But, um, you know, hopefully as he matures, uh, that batting or that uh, that eye improves and, and the patience and uh, on-base percentage hopefully comes around. But but even still, uh, a player from, you know, a third baseman uh, with that kind of power, it's a fun player to have. And uh, like you uh, sort of touched on, uh, playing in Mexico, the Padres right here are uh, next to Tijuana. We have a lot of um, Mexicans, Mexican-Americans in our community, and Mexican players certainly connect with them. Um, so it's cool to have. Yeah, it's it's been fun to watch uh, the reactions of the players and of the fans who get to see those major league games right in their uh, their backyards um, for some of them for the first time. So that's that's been cool. Um, you mentioned that Villanueva has been better than advertised. Uh, one of my Twitter followers actually made a comparison um, for the Cardinals several years back. They had Jeremy Hazelbaker that uh, they. Didn't start in the Cardinals organization, but he ended up in their minor league system, came up and, and made the club out of spring training and shocked everyone, and then led the team in home runs and just had all this extra base power, and it came out of nowhere. He wasn't the youngest guy, but he was kind of that journeyman that had, had made his way through the minor leagues, kind of waiting his turn, and then got a chance. Now, it wasn't the most sustainable success, uh, and he's moved okay. on to a couple yeah. of other organizations now and, and hasn't been able to recapture that magic that he had the, at the beginning of the year. Is there any indication that with Villanueva, this is, it was just a matter of time before he got his real chance and this is who he really is, or is this just sort of what he is now until the rest of the league adjusts? Yeah, that's, that's a really hard question to answer. I think <laughs> if I could answer that accurately, I might, you know, work for a team. I, I will say he never really got a chance. This was his first time in the majors. So uh, that says something about the, the perhaps more of a chance in the future. Um, although, you know, like I mentioned, the on-base percentage, I think, I think could issue um, as he starts seeing – uh, fewer pitches in the zone. Maybe pitchers start pitching to him more carefully. Uh, he's going to have to, you know, show that change that approach. Be a little bit more patient uh, to be, make sure he gets his pitch. Another young guy that a lot of uh, baseball has been talking about um, this season, Franchi Cordero, is. is one of those guys that he's going to strike out a lot, but when he doesn't strike out, it's pretty special. Um, it seems that he's also improving in that area as far as his approach at the plate, the pitches that he does swing at, making sure that he swings at something he can hit. Uh, he also is like top 10 in baseball in average exit velocity. So when he makes contact, uh, it seems to work out pretty well for him. How much fun has it been to watch him as he's making that adjustment this year? Super fun. And you really did your homework, Sarah. Uh, yeah, French, you nailed it with Franchi. Uh, he's been—he's one of those guys who's been in the Padres system for a long time. I feel like we've heard about him for for years. Uh, he was originally a shortstop, um, but he, you know, just such a demanding position defensively. The Padres moved him to center field. He has that great speed. He has that insane pop off the bat. Uh, you mentioned the exit velocity. He's also—I looked it up today—the top uh, or the fourth highest average home run distance in all of baseball is Franchi Cordero. Uh, <laughs> uh, if anyone out there has 
a subscription to The Athletic. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Dustin Palmatier, has written about Franchi, I think once, at least, or maybe twice, um, looking at the exit velocity and what to expect from him. Um, but yeah, that, that power is really exciting, really fun to watch. The speed, too. Power-speed combination is great. Um, the Padres have a crowded outfield, but I think at this point he's played his way uh, into that starting role. Uh, if not at center field with Manny Margot, but in, in left or right, depending on you know Will Myers' injury and some other things. I was going to ask you how he fits in because it's it's always fun to see someone that has that raw talent. Um, the challenge is always how they can polish that and and make it uh, consistent. But then you know there's a lot of there are a lot of pieces that have to fall into place for someone like that to find themselves in the in the mix moving forward with the Padres. Um, so I, I, I'm. Does it seem like he can be one of those core guys, or is it still too early to tell? It seems like it. Power speed combo. It's awesome, baby. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, he, he's had some some. Um, well, the Padres outfield started very crowded. It's gotten less crowded uh, now that Will Myers is hurt. Um, the Padres, I think, lost a lot of um, a lot of confidence in Hunter Renfro based on his patience at the plate last year. I don't think they liked uh, his approach, so they're asking him to improve that. It was interesting with Hunter Renfro. He was a uh, first-round draft pick a number of years ago, um, and he seemed to have it all in the minors, but then when he came to the majors, it just didn't seem to click. He had that power, but there really weren't a lot of other skills that he could uh, – combine his power with and Franchi Cordero has power but he's also got a better defense more speed and uh, like you mentioned his his approach I think has been improving and I think if he keeps his strikeouts just a little bit lower than the way they've been uh yeah he, he could be a mainstay you mentioned Will Myers is out uh is that has that opened the door as an opportunity for someone else or is it more hurting the Padres because Will Myers isn't playing? Is it uh, not that it's ever a good thing for someone to be hurt, <laughs> but yeah, is yeah. the silver lining to Will Myers being hurt? The fact that you get a chance to see some of these other guys. Yeah. Well, Frenchie Cordero is definitely the silver lining <laughs> there. I think, you know, there's not really a situation where a player being hurt is good. If if French if the Padres thought Franchi Cordero deserved that spot over Will Myers, they should have just played Franchi Cordero over Will Myers. Um, and even if it is crowded, and Will Myers does perform, they can always trade one of those two. So uh, we were really hoping for a full season from Myers this year. He's he's shown that that tendency for injury. It hasn't been the same injury over his career. It's been different things. Um, but uh, but seeing that again is a little unfortunate. Tell me about this rotation and the sort of roller coaster that it is watching the pitching try to maybe match up to some of the the position players as far as their ability uh, any given day. So the pitching is a bit of a different story in these 2018 Padres compared to the position players. As I mentioned, Clayton Richard was the Padres opening day starter uh, that says a little bit about their rotation. Uh, we got some bad news out of spring training. The best prospect of the Padres uh, was basically a shoe-in at the top of the rotation. Uh, Denelson Lamette went down for Tommy John surgery, which is uh, something Padres fans have gotten unfortunately used to seeing from some of our prospects. 
I think it's common around baseball. It feels like it's more common for the Padres to see those those pitching injuries. What do you think, Tara? <laughs> well, as a Cardinals fan, I'm very familiar with pitchers going down with Tommy okay. John surgery. Um, actually, the Cardinals are are just tonight. Actually, was the first uh, start for Alex Reyes, who was their top pitching prospect, went down with Tommy John last year and hasn't pitched That's for right. a year. So, um, yeah, we're we're very familiar with, uh, especially early spring training bad news. I believe both Chris Carpenter and Adam Wainwright, and maybe one year Jaime Garcia, all went out in spring train different spring trainings uh they all went down for the year um early on in the year so i usually oh just like cross my fingers and pray that they make it through spring training and then they'll be okay <laughs> it's so frustrating it, it's it's one thing to watch even somebody who you expect to be a good pitcher or player to perhaps you know, a, a big prospect or something, or maybe a big free agent signing, come on board and just not perform based on your expectations. That, I mean, that that's obviously heartbreaking, but I feel like a player being injured is is just some level of heartbreaking because it's, it's not, you know, it's not expected. It, there's nothing you can really do about it. It seems like, right? It, it's yeah. just, it's just like it's the person just disappeared off the face of the earth one yeah. day, and inevitably, and one day they're, they're, they're yeah. not. Inevitably, it seems like, I mean, with Reyes, he came up at the end of the season. He was a September call-up, made a couple of starts, and everybody was like, this kid is the real deal. He's going to be oh, it's even worse. legit. Oh, um, and then, you know, that was it. He went down in spring training the next year. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's horrible. Seems. It's horrible. You just get enough of a little glimpse of what they can be, and then um, it's just, I mean, the the number of guys that go down with either an elbow or a shoulder these days, it seems like it's only a matter of time for just about everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, w- I wish there was something that anybody could do. I'm sure the teams have their research, you know, their top scientists on the case, but yeah. you know, it's like it's been going on for a while, and it's it's so frustrating. So anyway, to Nelson Lamette, uh, the, the, Pires, the, the Padres' top-rated uh, pitching prospect who was likely going to make the rotation went down. I say that because the, the Padres have other prospects who are probably higher ceiling than Lamette. Lamette's more of a maybe number two or three starter type player. Um, but he went down at spring training, so that left Clay, Clayton Richard uh, as the opening day starter. The good news for the Padres is there are some some other pitchers who are available Maybe not quite that at that level as Lamette, but um, Joey Lucchesi or Lucchesi and Eric Lauer are two Padres draft picks who made their debut this year, uh, and they rely a little more on deception compared to stuff and speed like Lamette. But um, so far they've pitched well; they pitched capably. Uh, it's really nice having those kinds of players available when the Padres need them because they have such a good farm system. Uh, guys go down. Uh, and then you have quality players like Lucchese and Lauer uh, available. So I'm not sure if you guys will see them in this next uh, this next series. Looks like um, you're looking at uh, Jordan Lyles on Thursday, Eric Lauer uh, on Friday. So you'll see him. Uh, and then Tyson Ross and Clayton Richard. Young guys coming into a rotation for the first time can always be a bit of an adventure. Uh, so with Lauer, the Cardinals will see him. He'll face off against, uh, I believe it'll be Luke Weaver. The rotation for the Cardinals right now is a little bit 
weird. They're shuffling some things. Adam Wainwright may be coming back. He may not be coming back with all the off days. They don't really know who's going to start on Sunday. Um, but I think it should be Weaver and Lauer in that second game of the series. And Luke Weaver is one of those guys for the Cardinals that is uh, in a major league rotation for the first time uh, for theoretically a full season. He started the year in the rotation. Um, he came up last year and made a number of starts and did fine. He was probably the best Cardinals pitcher coming out of spring training. Um, and he kind of hit a wall when he pitched uh, in a couple of games against the Cubs um, and and has struggled here and there. Uh, but I think that's another young starter thing too. You know, they don't maybe adjust quite as quickly as everyone else with Lauer. Um, First of all, he's a lefty, which uh, <laughs> is kind of the Achilles heel for the Cardinals. So he's got that going oh, okay. for him. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> but what kind of an impression has he made in uh, the limited time that you've seen him so far? Well, his first couple starts, perhaps predictably, weren't um, didn't blow the world away. He actually made his major league debut in Colorado, which Ugh, was kind of tough. just throwing him to the wolves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think it was his, his second or third start um, where the first inning he gave up uh, some runs. But um, at that point on Twitter, some of the Padres fans were ready to give up on him after like six innings in the majors, which <laughs> I think describes Twitter pretty well. Uh, and then he recovered. He recovered nicely. I, I thought that first inning that he pitched, oh, I wish I could remember uh, who the opponent was. But um, he actually didn't give up that many bad pitches. It was just guys hitting good pitches far, which happens sometimes. I think as a young player, perhaps you have to make sure not to get frustrated when something like that happens, and, and he didn't. He, he went through it during that start that I saw and ended up going another five innings after the, the first inning of giving up a few runs. Uh, he went like four or five more with no runs. And uh, he's pitched well so far, um, aside from that. Uh, but like I said, he's one of those guys who's going to re- uh, rely more on location um, and less so much about velocity. He was uh, one of the first um, picks from, let me see what draft class that was. It was a 2016 uh, draft. So he made the majors quickly. Yeah. And that was the shift that kind of came with him when he was drafted was he was one of those pitchers who was polished uh, and then he would move through the system quickly. So that, that worked out well so far. Yeah, um, the pitcher for the third game for the Cardinals, Michael Waka, was similar. Um, he was a guy okay. that was, he made the major leagues like a, a year and a half, two years after he was drafted. Uh, he was a guy that in spring training had uh, people going, wait a second, how long has he been, how long has he been pitching professionally? Uh, because he just had a lot of really good stuff. He's struggled uh, his last couple of starts. Um He's the kind of guy that he hasn't gone real deep in games because he that the pitch count just gets uh, gets up there real quickly, and um, he he hasn't been able to really replicate that early success that he had. He'll be uh, going up against Tyson Ross, as you mentioned. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't did he? pitch he threw a no hitter like pretty deep into a game a couple weeks ago right uh i think i saw that that was a raw start um is that something that you expect was, him yeah. to 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 be able to not necessarily replicate a no hitter into the eighth inning but um that kind of ability is that what you expect out of him yeah he was he was a dominant pitcher for the padres up until 
kind of fell apart a couple years ago. And yeah, he had that. He has that stuff. That that slider is just so unhittable. Um, again, there's an, an article in the Athletic uh, by my friend Dustin Palmenter uh, explaining a little bit about Tyson Ross's slider and how he uses it. Uh, he can put it in different places uh, in the strike zone, either throw it out of the strike zone for a swinging strike or try to drop one in, in there on the back door. Um, but yeah, he's got that top flight stuff. The velocity isn't quite there as it was in years past. Um, that um, that zero hit bid that you mentioned, that was against the Diamondbacks. And I think he was at somewhere in the 110 pitch mark, 120 pitch mark, somewhere around there in the eighth. So he was, his pitch count was high. Uh, it didn't. It, it seemed like it would have been tough for him to get that pull off that no hitter. Which, by the way, uh, no Padres pitcher has ever thrown a no hitter. So it was pretty exciting for us to watch. Probably mention that every time. <laughs> every time a no hitter is discussed, the Padres have never thrown one. Um, but I think out of this rotation, he he definitely has the best chance of doing it this year. So not the opening day starter, Clayton Richard, not the guy that that you expect to throw a no hitter. What do you expect right. from him? <laughs> uh, from Richard? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. The Padres signed him <laughs> to a two year extension last year, and he didn't he didn't play like the kind of pitcher you'd expect that from. Uh, I have a suspicion it was more of a clubhouse thing where the Padres have these guys that like having a round, um, perhaps a little more continuity. Uh, a team like the Padres, you know, goes through players, I think, more often than you might expect. Um, so, yeah, with Richard was have some continuity. You have a guy they like around in the clubhouse. Um, like, same with Hosmer. I think the idea is teaching young players and then those young players learning how they were treated by these older guys and then replicating that. And then also something about basically reinforcing what it is that's being um, asked of them by management rather than um, hearing it from a manager or from an employee. Uh, if Richard is one of those guys who can perhaps relay that message that's being passed to them to the younger guys, they might be more willing to listen. So that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not sure why the opening day starter thing happened, though. <laughs> he, um, I keep going back to that. It's just, <laughs> it, you know, it, when you think about your expectations for a season – and Clayton Richard is your opening day starter. I feel like that should set them pretty well. I, I guess I guess not all people feel that way, but <laughs> yeah, I that did. that uh, so uh, Carlos Martinez started opening day for the Cardinals. Um, Adam Wainwright was slotted to get the home opener, and with the mix of pitchers that the Cardinals have this year in that starting rotation, Adam Wainwright's not one of the top two guys. <laughs> um, there were a lot of reasons to think that maybe giving him that opening day start at home was uh, definitely not because of his pitching ability, but similarly right. more about you know the the career that he's had in St. Louis and and all of that. So I'm I'm very familiar with uh, questioning opening day starters, whether it's uh, the home opener or you know actual opening day. Um, but like I mentioned, Adam Wainwright out right. again for the second time with injury. Um, he could be back. Uh, that's sort of up in the air. It could be John Gant, uh, who is one of the young Cardinals um, AAA starters that made a spot, spart, spot start in Adam Wainwright's last uh, scheduled start. Uh, it could also be Carlos Martinez starting on regular rest because of the off days um, and, and where they fell, and then it would shift everyone. So uh, I, I really don't know what they're going to do on Sunday. 
Um, we did actually skip over uh, game one of the series, which will be Miles Michaelis uh, against Lyles, as you mentioned. Or um, the Cardinals radio announcer, Mike Shannon, kept calling him Lies the other day uh, okay. in, in okay. <laughs> previewing the series. So whatever you want to call him. Um, now, he's been in the bullpen. Is that right? Yeah, he has been in the bullpen. Uh, Jordan Lyles is one of those pitchers I quite couldn't couldn't tell you that much about. I think of him just as more like a generic pitcher. Like yeah. he's a guy who can throw like 90 miles an hour, and who can take up a spot in the rotation, and you know we'll go from there basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I do, I do have to point out that Miles Michaelis uh, is a former Padre. It's been a while, but yes. That's been a while, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been in Japan since then, and um, he's been great for the Cardinals this year. I mean, if there's if there's one thing that's been maybe the biggest surprise from Cardinals pitchers this year, uh, it's probably Miles Michaelis. Um, he's been he's been pretty spectacular and probably the most consistent of any of the five Cardinal starters. Uh, he doesn't maybe quite have the upside that someone like Carlos Martinez does. Um, but, man, if you need a guy that's going to go out there every five days and give you seven innings, he seems like he can be that guy, um, which is, to be honest, more than I gave him credit for when the Cardinals made that signing. <laughs> yeah, well, he pitched well in Japan, didn't he? I think that was, yeah. that was a cool story was went to Japan and pitched well. It was like, see? Yeah. See, I got it. I can do this. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's obviously the league is different there, and and the way that pitchers go about uh, their their approach as starters is a little bit different. I think he's been able to. I don't think that always translates when you try to come back to the major leagues. Um, I think he's been able to translate it very well and use what he learned as far as how to. I mean, he changes things up very impressively. I mean, he's able to change speeds. He's able to locate with incredible accuracy. Um, and he can, you know, go from a 78 mile an hour curveball on the inside corner to just reaching back for a 98 mile an hour fastball. And no one saw that coming. That was not in the scouting report wow. on, uh, on Miles Michaels. Wow. Let me tell you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't remember hearing about that. Yeah, we, we didn't either. And then all of a sudden, um, First couple of starts, we were like, "Wait, did, was that? That can't be right." Ninety-eight. Someone took the gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but he's been fun to watch. So, um, yeah, the pitching matchups could be interesting. I think that the Cardinals, uh, <laughs> if this week is any indication, tend to have a hard time with pitchers they haven't seen before. Um, which maybe every team, I don't know. It seems like the Cardinals get, uh, they almost got no hit by a kid making his major league debut last week. Um, so it seems to me like the Cardinals struggle more than anyone against pitchers they haven't seen before, but I don't know, maybe the Padres do too. <laughs> I think that seems pretty common. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at this series coming up with the Cardinals, um, what do you want to see from the Padres, whether it's the, the guys in the lineup or the guys on the mound? You know, at this point in the year, um, I don't think I'm going to break any Padres fans' hearts if I say, uh, you know, playoff chances are not looking great. So, well, the wins are, are fun. I, I think I think sometimes when you're looking at more big picture stuff and looking at, you know, playoff rebuilding, uh, you know, those kinds of dis discussions, you tend to it becomes tempting to forget about how much fun wins are to watch. So, I don't want to like discount 
the Padres winning games because that's great and it's good. Uh, it, but what I would like to see, and I think what a lot of you know Padres fans are looking for, basically from here on out, is development from to be stars or at least contributors on the next great Padres team. So uh, guys like uh, Manuel Margot, Franchi Cordero, um, Joey Lucchese, Eric Lauer, these are the guys who we're hoping are going to be around for a long time. Um, so so success for, for them. Um, not really Cardinals related, but we're a little bit concerned because Austin Hedges uh, has an elbow injury. And uh, if you plug in, you know, take 10 days of rest into the Padres injury translator 5000, <laughs> what that usually means is Tommy John surgery. <laughs> so right now, uh, Austin Hedges has unfortunately been uh, sentenced to 10 days of rest for his elbow. Uh, word is he was playing catch today, which is good news. But um, hearing him not have Tommy John surgery uh, would, be, would be pretty good news as well. So it's also not just the Cardinals that uh, come up with these pretty lame uh, explanations for injuries that then turn into season-ending injuries. Evidently, that's not just a Cardinals thing either. (laughs) Okay, that's good. That makes me feel better. (laughs) Um, We've all sort of been joking this week, though. uh, Not joking because of the injury. Uh, Yadier Molina went down with an injury um, that was horrifying over the weekend. Um, and uh, ended up having a surgical procedure done, supposedly is out for four weeks. Um, but four weeks in Yadier Molina terms is like a week and a half if he gets his way. <laughs> um, okay. So I was okay. laughing about it today. He's supposed to be at home resting, right? Um, well, he didn't, he didn't take, didn't allow them to uh, send a wheelchair home with him from the hospital. Um, instead he walked on his own out of the car and into his house. And then today, um, Yachty's, uh, notorious for, I don't know what the Instagram equivalent of subtweeting is. Um, but he does it on Instagram. And, uh, so he, he posted an Instagram picture today of himself, like in his house up walking down the hallway and the, uh, the caption was something about how he was, it felt so good to be up walking again or something. And <laughs> to me, that was his not so subtle way of being like, four weeks, I'll be fine. Okay. okay. <laughs> so the okay. Cardinals have the two extremes where like the, the staff will be like, oh, he's he's got a mild contusion. And it turns out that he has like a broken arm or something. Uh, and then there's Yadier Molina, who yeah, uh, yeah. should be down for like a month and a half. And um, four days later, he's like, guys, I'm good. I, I'm fine. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be careful with that. You know, yeah. especially with catchers, they get banged up a lot. I'd, I'd be concerned. You know, it, it's cool to hear about him just like willing his way into being healthy again. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, he's, he's not—he's not a young guy. Uh, no. Hope we don't take offense. He's not no. a young guy. You want to be careful. You want to yeah. make sure he gets his best. I'm sure there will be plenty of people who uh, <laughs> who insist that he does not come back too soon. Uh, right. His brother, right. yeah. his brother Benji, was uh, joking with. Uh, apparently some the doctors at the hospital or something uh telling him they might have to handcuff him to the to the bed to keep him uh from just yes, getting do up that. And yeah. <laughs> do that. uh and and apparently take his um phone away from him so he can't instagram everything that happens in his life anyway uh that is not really related to this to this at all just a very entertaining uh rabbit trail um 
that's all the questions that I really had for you, uh, except that I do want to say, um, I don't know that Padres fans are looking forward to seeing Jed Jerko because he seems to hit pretty well against the Padres, but uh, that aside, um, what are the Padres fans' uh, greatest memories of Jed Jerko uh, when he was with the Padres? Or with his I'm brother, so Randy? Glad, I'm so <laughs> glad you brought him up because <laughs> do I have a story for you, Tara? When he was with the Padres, he was one of my favorite players. Uh, what I liked about him was he was somebody who might not expect to have big-time power. He was a, a shorter guy. He was didn't quite look like an athlete. And I think I've talked to his brother about that, so he wouldn't be offended if I said that. But he And he plays second base, but he has this huge power stroke. And, and how rare is that? How cool is that? I love that. Um. And the year the Padres traded him, uh, I ended up – I think that was the first year of StatCat's existence. And one thing that I did was I looked at his uh, exit velocity uh, at the time, like up to that year before when they had traded him. Uh, and it, it turned out that he had some of the better exit velocity in the league or at least on the team. And at that, at that point, not a lot of people were really talking about it. But to me, that said a lot about his potential because he hadn't played quite up to his potential – uh, in the majors at that point. So there were some Padres fans who were a little frustrated by it. Um, but to me, just that potential of being a second baseman with, with big-time power and, and showing it at least in exit velocity that people might not be paying attention to at that point, um, you know, it, was a, it was a huge deal, and I was super disappointed when the Padres traded him, especially for a one-year deal of John Jay. I didn't really understand that at all. Uh, you know, it wasn't a year that the Padres were going to be in contention. Um Jed Jerko is the kind of guy who could help them when they were in contention. He can certainly help the Padres now. Um, so I was really disappointed by that. I'll always be a Jed Jerko fan. So I'm definitely a Padres fan too. So I, I guess I'm rooting against him when he plays the <laughs> Padres. But there's, there's still a part of me that wants to be like, dude, just stick it to him, Jed. <laughs> they didn't have faith in you, and, and I did, and, and they deserve it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, he's a he's a player that's easy to like. Although, uh, if someone could tell Mike Matheny that he should play more, <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, he he missed some time. Oh yeah, so what's the deal with that? He's been he hasn't been starting every game, has he? <laughs> no, and and the way that their infield mix has worked out this year, he wasn't ever really going to be starting every game. Um, really because the Cardinals have this uh, <laughs> diamond in the rough in Jose Martinez who um, is a bit of a liability defensively. Let's just put it that way. Uh, okay. So he can okay. pretty much only play at first base. Um, however, that's where Matt Carpenter was playing uh, last year. They have Colton Wong, who uh, has all the potential in the world to be a, a stud second baseman for them there. And Jed, so Jed was playing third base last year. Um, and he did a great job of it. Uh, but when you plug Jose Martinez into the lineup every day, um, Matt Carpenter has to move somewhere else. So, uh, the, in theory, there was going to be this much more consistent mix of um, Jed Jerko and Matt Carpenter and Colton Wong, and Jose Martinez was probably not uh, supposed to be the three-hitter for this team when the season started, but that's sort of what he's become. Um, so he's playing every day, and those other three guys have sort of had to figure it out from there. And unfortunately, um, Judd Jerko's gotten the short end of the stick on playing time. Now, he did miss some time uh, with an injury at the beginning of the year and um, has had a hard time 
regaining any consistency in in uh, playing time. But as far as why that's happening, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine because <laughs> I have no idea. Um, you mentioned Randy Jerko, Jed's brother. Uh, right after Jed came back after the injury, uh, he hit his hundredth career home run, and there were two other guys in the Cardinal Cardinals uh, everyday lineup that were uh, at 99 career home runs, I think. Um, and the very next day, Jed was not starting. So Randy uh, tweeted out something to the effect of, not starting the only guy in your lineup with 100 career home runs seems like a great plan. <laughs> Uh, then the next time Jed played, he hit his 101st home run and didn't start the next day, which prompted Randy to tweet, starting everyone except the guy who has 101 career home runs, uh, seems like a great plan. So, so nobody gets it. No one really knows, uh, what the deal is with Jed Jerko not having more playing time. Um, but what I can say is that he's made the most of the time that he has had and, uh, his offensive numbers are as <laughs> better than the guys he's uh, playing behind right now. And that's why yeah, they're video game numbers this year. They're just yeah. ridiculous. I mean, it has been a, a much smaller sample size um, just because he was hurt yeah. and he hasn't played that much. Um, but nonetheless, when the guys playing in front of him uh, have averages below 200, um, it's not, there's not a lot of explaining you can do to, uh, to make sense of why he's not playing more often but maybe he will in san diego simply because mike Matheny really likes to play matchups <laughs> and uh, okay. he's just played pretty well against san diego so he might have that going for him we'll see <laughs> yeah the other thing about that too is isn't it nice that he can switch back and forth between third and second base it is and isn't he's that... yeah he's uh he's been great at both of those positions um there was some <laughs> i it's hard to believe that Twitter fans would uh, pick one thing and not let it go ever. Um, but there was, <laughs> <laughs> I know, shocking. Um, but there was a lot of talk at the beginning of the year that he should be the starting uh, third baseman and Matt Carpenter should start at second base and that Colton Wong should be the odd man out. Um, Colton's actually playing better than a couple of the guys in the lineup right now. And he's uh, far and away the, the um, most capable defensive uh, player at second base that they have, but yeah, Jed can handle it uh, at second base or at third base um, without really missing a beat. And and I think it's impressive for someone who can do that without the consistent playing time, you know, so that they can just come yeah. in and, and not really, you don't feel like there's any drop off um, and he doesn't have to play every day to maintain that, that level. So I, I think he should be playing more, but uh, I don't get to make those decisions. <laughs> well, you should. Call her in charge and put you in charge. There we go. There we go. Well, uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. Um, one thing that uh, will probably happen, although you have me less sure of this now, is that it will be sunny in San Diego. Uh, but now maybe it'll rain because we talked about it. Who knows? Um, but in, uh, whatever happens, it can't be worse than playing in the Midwest in April. So it's a win. Either oh way. gosh, yeah. I'll remember that. Let's all remember that. Thank you for your time tonight. Thanks for uh, chatting a little bit more about the Padres, and um, hopefully it's an exciting series this weekend. Yeah, this is awesome, Tara. Thanks for having me. After the Cardinals swept the Cubs at home, they then followed that up by closing out the homestand with two losses to the Minnesota Twins. 
a frustrating conclusion to an overall successful homestand where they went 5-2 and two and really made a case for why we should start to buy in. But the Padres are going to be a tough test. Maybe not the best team on paper, but a lot of ways that a lot of things can go right for the Padres and wrong for the Cardinals. Plus, that West Coast swing is always a bit of a crapshoot. We never really know what's going to happen. Thanks again to Chris for joining me. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you subscribe on YouTube and on iTunes or Google Play or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Find the birds on the black one and subscribe to it because I will be back next time for another series preview and more. 